Welcome to the Center Point Pentecostal Church Podcast. We hope that this podcast finds you well and that you are ready for a life-changing message from one of our outstanding and anointed ministers. If you like this podcast, please be sure to give us a follow and a five-star review on your favorite podcasting app. Now let's get to today's message. Without any further ado, we'll go to the book of 2 Kings tonight. 2 Kings chapter 2. We'll read a few verses here in 2 Kings. Amen. And then I'll let you be seated. 2 Kings chapter 2, we'll begin reading at verse 1. And it came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. And Elijah said unto Elisha, Tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord hath sent me to Bethel. And Elisha said unto him, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they went down to Bethel. And the sons of the prophets that were there at Bethel came forth to Elisha and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he said, Yea, I know it. Hold ye your peace. And Elijah said unto him, Elisha, tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord hath sent me to Jericho. And he said, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they came to Jericho. Going down to verse 9, same chapter, verse 9. And it came to pass, when they were gone over, that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee, before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. And he said, Thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, when thou, if thou see me when I am taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee. But if not, it shall not be so. And it came to pass, as they still went on and talked, that, behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire and parted them both asunder. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. Amen. With the help of the Lord tonight, I want to preach using this title, Distracted Drivers. Distracted Drivers. One more time, would you place your Bibles beside you? Can we just lift our hands and go to the Lord in prayer once again? Would you do that? Would you lift your voice? Would you lift your faith in this house? Lord, we give you thanks and praise, God, for this opportunity to be gathered together in your house. Lord, we thank you for your spirit. We thank you for your word, God. We ask you tonight that, Lord, that you would somehow minister to each and every one of us in this place tonight. And God, we give you thanks and praise for it. And everybody said in Jesus' name. One more time, would you clap your hands and love the Lord? In 2019, reports show that an estimated 3,142 people were killed and an estimated 400,000 people were injured in motor vehicle crashes involving distracted drivers. 10% of fatal crashes, 15% of injury crashes, 
and 14% of all police reported traffic crashes were reported as being affected by distractions. 9% of all drivers ages 15 to 19 years old involved in fatal crashes were distracted at the time of the crash. About one out of every five people end up in a distracted driving accident. Pedestrians, bicycles, those riding bicycles and those walking all get involved in a distracted driving accident. Distracted driving comes in three different forms. The first form is cognitive distraction or mental distraction. It's when a driver's mind is not focused on driving, talking to another passenger or being preoccupied with uh, personal uh, matters, family matters, or work-related issues or some examples of cognitive distraction. Perhaps even listening to a favorite podcast or radio station can put a driver at risk. Visual distraction is the second one, and it occurs when a driver looks at anything other than the road ahead. Checking a child's seatbelt while driving or perhaps checking mirrors and uh, surroundings while driving all play into a visually distracting uh, driving. Electronic devices for the car, such as a GPS or uh, portable DVD players, digital entertainment systems, all can distract drivers. The final distraction is called manual distraction, and it happens when a driver takes one or both hands off the wheel for any reason. Some common examples include eating or drinking, adjusting the GPS, trying to get something from a purse or perhaps a wallet. This is considered manual distraction. And just as it is in the natural, so it is on the highway that we travel called life. It also is filled with distractions that take our focus off following the Lord. It's easy to be turned aside by the little things of life and to lose focus on what really matters. We must always remember that those momentary glances at things that detract us from following God could and oftentimes prove to be spiritually fatal. Paul said in Hebrews 12 and 1 that in order to complete our race, in order to cross the finish line and arrive at our destination called heaven, we're going to have to not only lay down the sin, but the weights that does so easily beset us. Distractions, things that try to take our attention off of Jesus and off of the course that we have set before us. And that course, of course, is heaven. And so Paul said in order to make it, in order to cross, in order to arrive healthy, you must get rid of the sin and the weights and the distractions. We must uh, put all of our attention on our walk with God. And what we're going to have to realize is there are things that are going to come and try to deter us to the left or deter us to the right. 
but we must do as Paul said and we must lay those things aside and keep our focus on the road. The story of Elisha following Elijah provides us insight into what it means to remain focused on the journey. After choosing to follow Elijah, Elisha returned home, said some final goodbyes to life and to his parents. He would be leaving behind his father and mother and the security of a future form that had already been laid out for him. But he had to say goodbye to the form, goodbye to farming and goodbye to all of the other things at home in order to follow after the call that Elijah had given him. In Matthew chapter 16 and verse 24, Jesus said this, he said, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man shall come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Jesus said if any man was to follow after him that he would first have to deny himself, meaning his desires and wants and will. And unfortunately, we can't live for God and serve our own will. It doesn't work in that way. And in order to stay on this journey and in order to follow after Christ, we have to do things in the order that he put them. And that is simply we must first deny ourselves. We must lay down everything around us, everything about us that we want or we hope for. We have to lay all of that down and be willing to sacrifice for the name of the Lord. And then and only then are we able to pick up our journey and walk with Jesus. Elijah had to do this, Elisha had to do this same principle that Jesus was teaching his disciples. Elisha, in order for him to become the prophet God wanted him to be, he had to lay everything down. He had to turn and leave a farm. He had to turn and leave oxen and, and the plow. He had to turn and leave mom and dad in order to follow after what God wanted him to follow after. Now, surely farming is not a sin. Surely staying at home with mother and father is not a sin. But when it comes to following the Lord, sometimes God is going to ask of us things uh, that we may not understand. But if we'd be willing to sacrifice, God would bless us in the return. Some things we can debate about. There's some things that I may have a personal conviction about that you may not. It doesn't mean that it's sin or that it's wrong. It's just a sacrifice that God has asked me to do. And in order to follow the calling that God has placed on us and as children of God, we must make sacrifices for the Lord. There may even become times where we have to turn to father and mother and kiss them goodbye. There may be times where we may have to look at the family business and if I don't have time to, to get into it but if you study the life of Elisha to, in order for a man to have as many oxen as they had that means that family must have been very wealthy so not only was Elisha turning away inheriting the family farm but he was also turning away a very large inheritance. But he understood that he had a call. He understood that um, what he felt from Elijah that day and that mantle that draped across him, he knew the Lord was calling him into something greater. And so he understood that there was no way to serve God and still serve the farm. And sometimes we'll be brought to a crossroads in our lives where we may have to make a decision, do I serve God or do I serve the farm? 
Do I serve God or do I serve mom and dad? Do I hang around the family farm and do I try to keep the bills paid or, or do I really go and follow after what God is calling me to follow after? But in order to complete the journey, in order to hit the mark on the X, in order to arrive to the destination God was calling him, Elisha had to get rid of the distractions. He had to move things out of the way. Amen. Elisha had no way of knowing that the journey with Elijah would take many twists and turns. Perhaps Elisha thought the anointing would simply be his because he accepted the mantle. But he may have not realized that there would be a long season of simply following in order to receive all that God had for him. Just because Elisha accepted the call didn't mean he was automatically his. There had to be a learning and a molding, a shaping, a process. He would have to leave behind the old life to receive the new one. And just because we uh, may have felt the call of the Lord, maybe to repent and be baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost doesn't guarantee our ticket to heaven still a journey that has to go on. There's still a life that has to be prepared. There's still a process that has to take place. And so I'm not guaranteed a ticket to heaven just because I spoke in tongues 20 years ago and I attend a Pentecostal church. There's a life that has to be lived. There's a life of sacrifice that must be, well, amen. There's a journey that must have to happen unless the Lord calls you home immediately after receiving the Holy Ghost, then there is a process. And there is a, 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 a road to walk, so to speak. And just as Elisha had to do, so must we do. In this process, we must turn from the old and embrace the new. And then on the day of death or rapture, I will take my heavenly promise. But I must make sure that on this journey, I have no distractions. I have nothing pulling me to the left or to the right. The two left Gilgal together, and soon after, Elijah turned to Elisha and told him, the Lord was sending Elijah to Bethel. And from Bethel, he would be instructed to go to Jericho. The stay in Jericho would be brief as the Lord further instructed Elijah to travel to Jordan. Elisha was finding out that following was much more involved and strenuous than he had perhaps first thought it would be. In living for God, the journey is not always as easy as we expect it to be. Many times we feel a major hurdle or stop sign has been thrown in our pathway. Other times life seems to be going along fine and we anticipate great things to happen and then suddenly distractions appear and could easily take our focus off the Lord. Just like seasons that we have in life, sometimes we're going along then all of a sudden every now and again something may come along and just kind of push pause and make life stop so to speak. And if we're not careful in those down times, we could allow distractions to take our eyes off of the road. We can become distracted drivers. We can uh, become more paying more attention to the things all around us every day instead of the road that is lying before us. 
Even now, more in this time, there are distractions everywhere around us. The media, the news, social media, all these things spinning and trying to get into our minds and distract us off course. Uh, uh, Work and bills and school and kids and honey-do list and other situations and sicknesses that it's so easy to get caught up in these things that we forget the road that we're on. We forget the way that we're traveling. We become so busy, so burdened down, so distracted, if you will, by all of the things that life brings that all of a sudden we take a stop and realize we're not even where we were supposed to be. I've, uh, I, I'm, I'm probably going to get in trouble here, but I, I've, you know, a lot of times in traveling, I uh, tend to lean on my co-pilot to give me instruction. And, and, you know, I've usually got a, a podcast or music or something going in my earbuds, Brother Keith, while we're traveling. And so I kind of lean toward my co-pilot there to uh, put the address of the church or the hotel or the parsonage or wherever we're headed to. And uh, there have been several times, Brother Francois, that I'll be driving, you know, I'm zoned out and all of a sudden I'll, I'll hear, hey, hey, right here, right here, right here, right here. And so I'll watch as, as we pass the exit or we pass the driveway or we pass the, and I looked to her and I said, well, what in the world happened? She said, well, I'm sorry. I was watching something on Facebook and I wasn't watching the GPS. That easy to get distracted. Now, I don't know about you, but the smartphone I have, when you put it in your GPS, it actually leaves a little small screen in the corner of your main screen to let you know. But my wife, my precious co-pilot, just was not, I I love you, I know I have to go home after a while, but my precious co-pilot just got distracted that day and we missed the exit. There have been a couple of instances, uh, praise God, that that's happened. There's been some instances it's happened with me. So it's so easy to be distracted. It's so easy to overlook and, and miss an exit or miss a turn or miss even with all the devices that we have. It's easy. And so the same way it works in the supernatural. It's easy. It's easy to overlook things. It's easy to get sidetracked because we're living in this thing called life. And so it's very easy with trying to keep a job and trying to keep the bills paid and trying to take care of kids and take care of this and that and and got all these irons in the fire that sometimes it does. It gets very easy to where you forget to pray, you forget to read the word, you forget to to freshen up on, on your conversation with God and the next thing you know it, we've gotten so distracted. I was driving home from Alabama no, I was driving to Alabama two, two weekends ago, and I was by myself. And I had my GPS on, and I had a podcast going. And so I had my phone laid down on the seat. Well, that GPS is supposed to override my podcast and tell me when I'm supposed to turn. And so I'm driving, and I'm driving, and I'm cruising, and I'm listening to my podcast, and I'm just going on down. And finally, after a while, I thought, there was supposed to be a turn somewhere. And so I didn't tell my wife that because I didn't want to get in trouble. But. And so I, finally I pull over and I pull up my GPS. I'm like, what's wrong with this crazy thing? I had drove 25 minutes a 
away from my destination. I was so way off course. And if I would have turned and started taking back roads to get back to the road that I needed to be on, it would have put me 30, 45 minutes more away from my destination. And thinking about that makes me think how easy it is in life to just put it in drive and we just let the thing go and we, we, we get so busy and we take on all of this and we take on all of that that before you know it when we do come to church or we do take a moment to, to kind of step back and realize hey where am I at on this journey we realize maybe we're not on the path that we thought we were. Maybe we're not quite traveling in the direction that we thought we were. Maybe we're, 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 we're not exactly where we're supposed to be because that's what happens in this light. And Elisha understood that. And Elisha understood that not only do I have to leave the family farm, but the Bible says that as he was following Elijah, they would go to this town and the sons of the prophets would come and they would start speaking in his ear. Don't you know your master is going to be taken from your head today? Don't you know that he's going to leave you today? Don't you know that, that you're going to lose your master? Don't you know that? And, and they would just keep on and keep on and keep on. And it would have been so easy for Elisha to get bogged down into the statements of those men and sit there and argue and debate. Elisha already knew what was going to happen on the path. But the only thing we find is where he would turn to them and say, wherever he's at, i got to go. Wherever he is, I need to be. Where he goes, I go. He would go to Elijah, his mentor, and he would say, where you are, I am. Where you're going, I'm going. Because I understand the mission and I understand where we got to go. And I don't have time to get distracted by these guys. I don't have time to get distracted by what's going on around me. We're on a mission. We're on a journey. We're living this call that God has placed on us. And God has told me to follow you and go everywhere you go. And so I must continue the journey with you. The Lord wants to know if we will continue to follow him. He knows how easily we can be distracted from what really matters. Several times in Scripture, the Lord tested people's commitment to see whether they would remain faithful followers. Moses had to lead Israel through the wilderness in search of the promised land. Abraham had to follow God to the top of Mount Moriah when it would have been easier not to go. Peter had to follow Jesus by walking on a stormy sea when many others decided not to. When many others had ceased following Jesus, he even asked the disciples, will you go away also? John chapter 6, verse 66. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, will ye go away also? Jesus had just finished teaching some pretty strong teaching. He had just been teaching them that how if they're going to be a disciple, a believer, a follower of his, that they would have to eat of his flesh and drink of his blood. Now, of course, Jesus wasn't speaking literally in the sense of that they would literally have to eat his body and drink his blood, but what he was talking about was the future crucifixion and resurrection and how if we're going to be a disciple, we must have all of Jesus. You got to have the body, you got to have the blood, you got to have all of it. You got to consume every part of Jesus. Without going too far back, same thing as the 
Jesus was the sacrificial lamb. They had to eat every part of the sacrificial lamb. Then they had to take the blood and apply it to their doorpost. Same in this sense. Jesus said, you're going to be my disciple. You've got to take everything about me. Every word that I say, every move that I make, everything that I say do, don't do, this life that I'm exampling, this road that I'm paving, if you want to get to heaven, you've got to lock in this road that I'm paving into your GPS and you've got to walk it every day. You've got to follow it every day. You've got to take this path every day. And so as he's teaching this, this is very strong teaching and he is telling them that you've got to consume me. You gotta consume my word. You gotta consume my spirit. You gotta consume my blood. You gotta consume everything about me in order to be my disciple. And church, we cannot, we cannot think that we can skip off and take some side road somewhere and end up in the same destination that Jesus ended up. Jesus said, I am the way. Not a way, the way. There's only one way. There's only one way to heaven. There's only one quiet. There's only one way to heaven and that's through Jesus and so there's only one road to walk and that's the road Jesus walked and so Jesus was teaching them this is how it's going to have to be. You're going to have to have every part of me in your life. All of me are nothing and so in teaching that people started walking away people started leaving. People started saying, this guy's out of his mind. This don't make sense. We, we, we're not ready for, for something like this. And so he turns to his disciples and he says, are you going to go away too? And in these troubling times, these times where the world is fighting for our attention now more than ever, I believe we as the church got to answer the same question that he asked them in that day. Are we going to go away also? Are we going to change direction also? As times get tougher and as the pinch gets put even greater on the church, are we going to go away also? Are we going to fall prey to the distractions? Are we going to fall prey to the things trying to grab our attention? Let me tell you the world that we're in. I was preparing for this today and um, I was looking at, at, at a these statistics and stuff and a, a thing come across my phone and I clicked on it and it, it's, a, it's a, a, a preacher's forum that I'm in and this pastor shared this news heading and the news headline was from an NBC news station in Houston that said that uh, a church was hosting a drag queen contest type deal in the church. Yeah. It's quiet, but this, this is the world we're in now. This is where we're at. This is the things that they are pushing. And churches now, churches. We didn't want it in the schools, but too late for that. Now it's in the churches. Churches are hosting these type of events. You can go look it up. There are several all across our country of churches that have already hosted these events. There's one church that I watched set up a runway off of the platform, going down the center of the church, built a runway like for models, and it was drag queens. But you want to hear what's the best part about that? It wasn't just any old drag queen off the street. It was deacons and members of the church. Yes, sir. This is the world that we're in. 
This is the world that our children are constantly fighting against every single day. If they ever needed a church or parents that had their sights set on heaven and the gospel locked into their GPS, it's right now. You may not hear anything else I say tonight, but hear this preacher tonight. If they ever needed a set of parents or grandparents that were sold out, that said we're not looking to the left or we're not looking to the right, we're not turning, we're not moving, it's right now. You can get mad at me all you want, but that's where we are. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Ain't none of that junk coming in my house. I said, none of that junk coming in my house. We're going to live for God. We're going to stay the course. We're going to follow after Jesus and the course that he laid before us. There is no shortcuts or loopholes to heaven. I'm sorry, but all this acceptance stuff, we love them, pray for them, welcome them into the church and try to teach them a Bible study and pray them through the Holy Ghost. But it does not mean that I have to partake in what they're partaking in. Jesus ate with sinners, but he never committed sin. When he left the sinner's house, they were converted to him. He didn't convert to them. And what we need is a church that says we refuse to convert to the world. We've been put here to convert the world to the church. It's not popular preaching, but it's where it is. It's where it is. It's where we are. It's what we're fighting. It's what our children are fighting. It's what's being told to them what's being shown to them it's so easy to access now they're teaching three-year-olds in California they're giving three-year-olds gender identification therapy three-year-olds when I was three the only thing I knew was hamburger hamburger three-year-olds want to be a boy or you want to, this is the atmosphere we're in ladies and gentlemen this is where our world is headed and so we've got to make sure that what we've got locked in our GPS's our spiritual GPS's is the truth there's only one God and his name is Jesus there's only one way to be baptized and that's in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of the sins. You must be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. You must live a holy, dedicated, separated lifestyle unto the Lord. You must pray, you must give, you must sacrifice, you must go to church, you must worship, you must testify and witness and tell somebody else about the goodness of Jesus. But you also need to keep your hands on the wheel and let the people in the car with you know we ain't turning to the right and we ain't turning to the left. There ain't no pit stops on this trip. We ain't taking no shortcuts. We're not taking the scenic route. We're going the way Jesus told us to go. He told us to go this way, and that's the way we're going. Amen. Every day we are surrounded by 
the noise, the noise of traffic and workplaces, the noise of family and home life, even the noise that comes with being at church. Among the noise are voices. Voices are constantly vying for our attention and seeking influence in our lives. And I already said it, but each stop on the journey brought an audience of these men who would come and try to speak into Elisha's life. And that's why I'm a firm believer why it's so important to stay in constant communication with God. Because that keeps his voice constantly in my ears. Psalms 42 and verse 10, as with a sword in my bones, my enemies reproach me. While they say daily unto me, where is thy God? Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. David said constantly he was fighting against these voices and against these distractions of where is your God, David? Where is he now? Why hasn't he showed up when you called him? Where is he right now? And if we pay attention, we can hear screaming loud and clear the voices in our world today saying basically the same thing. Where is your God? Where is this Jesus that you speak about? Where is he? If he loved you, why would he let you go through all of this? If he loved you, why would he let you suffer? If he loved you, why didn't he heal you? And what you've got to do in this last day and hour is you've got to tune out the voices, tune out the noise, drown out the background, turn up the volume of heaven, turn up your fire in prayer and say, I don't know why God did it, but I'm not him. He knows what's best for me. And so I'm just going to trust and believe and keep Walk in the path. If there has ever been a pressure for the church to compromise, it's now. But church, we cannot compromise the journey that Christ has called us to walk on. Every distraction requires a decision. It is totally up to us what we will do when the distractions come. We can yield to them and lose sight of where God is taking us, or we can refuse to allow them to turn us aside from the journey. These are decisions only we can make. However, without a made-up mind and willing to stay focused on God, it is nearly impossible to faithfully follow Him. At times we will have to take authority over the distractions in order to be successful. Second Corinthians chapter 10 verse 3, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. We must take authority, cast down imaginations, cast down everything that tries to bring itself against the knowledge of God, bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. In other words, we must control our thoughts to avoid from being distracted. 
And the best solution for avoiding distractions is bringing every thought captive to Jesus Christ and his purpose for our lives. I'm reminded of the story of Mary and Martha. The Bible says in, in the book of Luke chapter 10 that Jesus comes to the house of Mary and Martha for a visit. Jesus is sitting there in the family room, living room, study room, whatever, but he's there in a, a room and he is teaching and he is talking to the people and the Bible says that Martha is in the kitchen and she's mad. She's upset because she's trying to prepare refreshments and finger foods for the crowd. But Mary, her sister, who also lives in the house, she's in the room sitting at Jesus' feet listening to him teach. And so finally, she gets enough of this, and she runs to Jesus, and she says, Lord, this ain't right. you got to tell my sister to get in here and help me. Tell her to get, get in here, and she's got to help me get all these refreshments. She's got to help me get all this stuff together because we're, we're the host. We've got a crowd. And in their culture, you were frowned upon if you didn't offer your guest anything. So to Mary's def uh, Martha's defense, she was doing what was right. You were frowned upon. Your family was frowned upon. You didn't serve your guest and be a good host. But Jesus turns to Martha and he tells her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part. Martha, you are so troubled over the things that you think need to be taken care of, that you are missing the most important thing in this entire house, and that's me, my presence. I am in your house. I am teach. My word is here. My spirit, my spirit is here. I am dwelling under your roof, and you are so troubled about getting this together and that together what tradition has told you that you got to be that you are missing the moment of Jesus being in your house so don't be mad at Mary because Mary has chosen the good part she understood yeah we need to be good hosts and yeah we need to treat our guests properly but this is a once in a lifetime opportunity Jesus has showed up on our doorstep and he is speaking some incredible words. And so while it would be great to have sausages and while it would be great to have Rotella dip and, and saltine crackers and while it would be great to have some sweet tea, Jesus is here right now. And so all of that other stuff can wait. Martha, all of those preparations can take a back seat because right now Jesus is in our... And Jesus wants to show up in every one of our homes and visit us and commune with us. I wonder how many times we have stopped everything around us, shut everything down, turned off everything, and said tonight we're not going to pick up a finger until we've communed with Jesus. Oh, it's quiet. But it's distractions. Mary have chosen to take a seat in the living room because she understood the value of the moment. And there comes a time in life, look, I'm not saying you got to forsake your job and your children and, and your life, but there comes times in our life where we got to say, you know what, all that stuff can wait. i got to get a hold of Jesus. 
All that other stuff can take care of itself. You can't even mow the grass right now. We're all under three foot of water. So forget all that right now. Quit belly aching about all that. It's probably going to rain tomorrow again. And go ahead and take an opportunity when you get off of tomorrow evening to sit down in your living room, look at your wife and say, we're not cranking up a stove. We're not doing nothing until we broke bread with the master, until we let him talk to us and commune with us and speak with us. Come on, come on, God has placed a family in our hands and we're behind the wheel of this thing. We don't have time to get distracted. We don't have time, time is running out. We don't have time to get distracted by the things going on around us. We've got to pay full attention. Our focus has to be on our walk with God. It has to be. There's no more it taking second place to everything else. There's no more time for that. We've got to make sure that our walk with God is right. I've got so much more, but I've got to skip ahead. The Bible says that when it was finally time to come to the place where Elijah and Elisha was going to be separated, while they were on their journey, Elijah turns to Elisha and says, what would you have me to do before I'm taken? And Elisha says, oh, Lord, that I may have a double portion of what you have. And Elisha, Elijah makes a very interesting statement. He looks at Elisha and he says, you've asked a hard thing. But nevertheless, if you see me when I'm taken from you, it shall be so unto thee. Now, I've often pondered that and thought, why would Elijah tell Elisha it's a hard thing? Surely it's not hard for God to anoint somebody. Surely it's not hard for God to use somebody. But what Elijah was letting Elisha know is it's not hard for God to use you. The hard part is staying on the journey. The hard part is keeping the right thing in focus. Notice how he answered him. He said, if you see me when I'm taken from you, so that tells me that what Elijah was telling Elisha here is, if you see me, that means you're still walking with me. You haven't left my side. You haven't detoured from the path. You haven't went your own way. You hadn't started to go back and backtrack or run back to the farm. When you see me when I'm taken from you, that means you've been right here by my side for this entire journey. And if your eyes are on me when I'm taken, you'll get what you're looking for. And so in this day and hour, our eyes have to be 100% locked in on the journey. It has to be 100% locked in into Jesus and what he is saying and what he is wanting us uh, uh, from us as the church. Elijah was not saying here that it was too hard for God to pass the anointing down. But what is being said here is that it's a hard road. It's a road of discipline. It's a road of selflessness. And it's an unwavering commitment to receive this anointing. It's going to take sacrifice, hardship, and it's going to take your eyes being upon me, walking the road I walked to get it. In other words, if you haven't gotten distracted, Elijah, if you're still on the same journey, Elijah, if you're still headed in the same direction that I'm headed, it's yours. You'll have it. You'll possess it. Church, if we want to call heaven our home 
and if we want a strong relationship with Jesus Christ. And if we want him using us, blessing us, and speaking to us, we must keep our eyes on him. We cannot allow anything to distract us from the journey. We must still pray. We must still worship. We must still study, serve God to the best of our abilities. And in doing so, we will hear the words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm looking forward to heaven tonight. I told my wife the other day, I have never been looking forward to heaven as I am right now. I'm ready to leave this old world behind and step into that heavenly promise that Jesus has given me. But the only way I'm going to get there is I've got to still be on the same journey that Jesus has called us on. Would you stand with me? I'm getting ready to get out of the way. Thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that it changes and impacts your life for days to come. If you would like to connect with us further, give us a like on Facebook at facebook.com slash Centerpoint Pentecostal Church or just search Centerpoint Pentecostal Church on Facebook. If you would like to join one of our services in person, the service times and address are in the podcast description. Thank you and God bless, and we hope to see you on the next episode.